Hey guys, welcome back to the rest of the sermon. We are glad that you are with us. Um, If you were just tuning in, things have been um, very much so on pause at Westside. And the past couple of weeks have been, without a doubt, um, the hardest uh, past two Sundays and the past two weeks since I have been at Westside, um, for sure. And so if you've kept up with the podcast or with our website or the Facebook page or anything, um, the last podcast, uh, Miss Nikki and then John and Haley interviewed the awesome Jonathan Thurman, JT. And um, that day that the podcast released, that Wednesday, July 13th, there was a, a tragic motorcycle accident. And um, we have been grieving and we um, have been experiencing a lot of emotions around Westside. And so um, the first Sunday that we gathered, um, I mean, there was, you know, no emotions, no, or um, there was no announcements, I'm sorry, yeah. because there was tons of emotions and everything like that. And it was just a very, um, I love, Haley, what you put, uh, a service of mourning, service of grieving. And so that's, what we needed to do um, mm-hmm. as a congregation, for sure. And so um, the only two words that sort of came to my mind, obviously knowing we had to address the congregation and stuff like that, was grief and glory. And I was just thinking, we have grief, you know, JT has glory. And that's just kind of where we were. And that's sort of kind of just developed into the language of a series or whatever you want to call it that we've been in. And so um, this past Sunday, we continued in grief and glory. And um, the the first Sunday, I just very quickly sort of walked through kind of the five stages of grief, um, just to maybe hopefully name some emotions and kind of, I mean, it was like an ER room. I mean, that just is what it was. And so as I thought and processed a lot more about that, what was churning in my heart was how, how is grief a part of our discipleship, right? Like how, is, how does grief make us like a Jesus? And we even read those verses in Isaiah's prophecy, he's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And um, we were in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And so I'm just going to read these, and then um, we can sort of dive into the handout that we had and kind of talk a little bit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. 
Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What sticks out to you guys in those verses? What do you hear? What's, what's kind of a nugget for you in those verses? I think especially in this <clears throat> season of such sadness as a whole church body, yeah. um, the encouragement, encourage mm. one another. Yeah, for sure. Um, it has been horrible yep. to experience. The flip side of that coin is watching not only our congregation, but other churches mm-hmm. love us so well yeah. and reach out to us that it really has been a <clears throat> unifying yeah. moment of watching people love each other the way Jesus would want them to. 100%. So I think that encouragement is something I am like white knuckling, hanging on to. Yeah. And I just want to take a moment to expand on that. Um, there are so many people who have reached out, who have stepped up, who have done stuff that we just took a moment on Sunday and thanked people. But there are three churches in particular that we want to name um, and and thank. And the first one is the Bluff Church. Um, that first Sunday that we gathered, they just stopped in, brought donuts, hugged our necks, loved on us, and just basically said, anything that you need, we're here And so thank you guys so much for doing that, loving us and serving us. Um, The second church is Bluff First, um, Bluff First Assembly up the road, Pastor T.J. Woodard. And man, him and Brooke have just been incredible. They sent their nursery workers over that first Sunday so they could work the nursery, so nursery workers and everybody could be in the chapel together. It was um, receiving that text. Yeah. As, hey, we want to do this for you. How many people do you need? What do you need? We want to gift this to you. It was such a blessing. I didn't even realize what I was saying yes, absolutely to until right. after the fact. 100%. Um, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, and they served our staff lunch on staff day and they've just been there they've just been on hand you know they offered it again for last sunday brooke sent me a text saying hey i know it's last minute but do you need it we can do it sure that love it's crazy and that support is just it's crazy the third church is um palace of praise where jt had a great history that church loved on him when he was a young boy with the passing of his mother you guys heard that in his testimony. And Palace sent their soldier of oh women <laughs> over with food that Sunday and fed almost 100 people and, and the family and just wouldn't even let us take out trash, no. like wouldn't let us do anything. Played Tetris in our refrigerator. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, unbelievable stuff. They yeah. opened up their building on uh, the following Wednesday for JT's service. And um, the funeral home, about over a 1,000 people came through with the visitation and the funeral. Around 700 people stayed for the funeral. They opened up their building for that. I mean, they had to clean their building after their audio team. And just, they were incredible. And so Palace of Praise, we thank you so much. Bluff First. The Bluff Church, um, I, you know, I told them, and I said this at the service, that I think I understand at a whole new level when Jesus says, the world will know that you are my disciples yeah. by the way in which you love one another. Yes. And I want to say something else, too. I hear a lot about being in a small town 
and uh, you know this community and everybody knows your business and all of this stuff there is nowhere nowhere else on the planet i would want to be in a time like this than in popper bluff missouri yep i mean this town the wednesday of the accident before i jetted up to st louis we just blasted on facebook immediately we're calling a time of intense prayer our building is open and at one point courtney said there was a hundred people there stayed until 11 almost praying and just being together and man this community has just been incredible you know it's just been incredible and so Popper Bluff, we love you guys. Love everybody that's that's been involved um, with all of this, you know. So just wanted to segue that. Haley, is there anything in those verses that stick out? It's a gold nugget for you hearing it read Sunday. Your mom, Miss Christy, read the passage, did a fantastic job. And listen, it was a Holy Spirit thing because she's paused and said, I want to read that again. Mm-hmm. We will always be with the Lord. And that was like my big idea. That was the whole thing. And so loved it. It was incredible. No, uh, definitely. And that was just a, a very weird moment of you don't always feel the Holy Spirit when you're in church. You hope you do. But sure. that mm-hmm. was uh, definitely when you said that, like, Christy, you had no idea. Yep. Uh, yep. But for me, it's two words and it's through Jesus. Mm it's good and that's not like that's not i don't feel like even the main point of what we're but he wrote it it's there but none of this matters none of this is possible if it's not through jesus yeah 100 percent. i just have to remember that 100 percent. cling into that at the moment yeah one of the things that i said is is that i love the way that he starts it in verse 13 and the first point was Christians grieve too. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so Paul doesn't say, you know, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you should not grieve. And then he doesn't say that you should just be more hopeful than grieve. He says that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So at... I mean, it's a very complex sentence when you think about it. He's saying Christians grieve too. That is a process. And we've been talking a lot about that. If you've sent me a text or if we've been in conversation, our staff has been using this language of, hey, what's your dominant emotion today or right now? And we threw together um, the first Sunday I walked through sort of just the Mayo Clinic sort of five stages of grief. And when I left and was driving home, I had that burning question of, well, that's not the full context and the full story for us as Christians, because obviously Paul makes a dichotomy here that we grieve differently, but we do grieve. So I thought and processed and kind of put it maybe in a theological framework or whatever but we had a handout, and I just want to kind of walk through. Uh, we got these S's in regards to what the stages of grief kind of look like in the discipleship journey. And, and there's the first one is shock. And, and we said that our body, literally, chemically, the way we're designed, um, makes us not 
take on all of the information and all the pain at one time. Yeah. So shock and denial come in and it the Mayo Clinic website said it helps us to pace the pain. Mm. So we we go, wait, what? And we just take these chunks out at a time yeah. in order to ri- arrive somewhere. So there's shock and then there's sorrow, like deep sadness. And this is considered in the five stages under the depression category. And it's important to note this is not a clinical depression. Right. As psychologists and stuff would say, they would say that this is a deep sadness. Yeah. Like this is the very definition of the word sad. And then from sorrow, it goes to struggle. And struggle is sort of the substitute of the word for bargaining. Mm-hmm. It's when you start asking questions, when you start trying to go, well, what if, and if I, or if we, and did those things. And one of the things we said the first Sunday was bargaining is natural and it's okay. We see it in the Psalms. We see Job. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of people go through this. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, Jesus is bargaining yeah. there. You know, yes, he does say, you know, the famous, not my will, but thine be done. But he said that second. Right. You know no, I mean? like, like, if you can take it. I mean, if you haven't filled me in on some secret plan, I know I've been with you since eternity. <laughs> but, you know, and so, and we said that what bargaining is, is that it's helping us to believe we're not in control. Right. Which is a massive lie and illusion that we we tend to believe in our life. So there's shock, sorrow, struggle. And then here's where it looks different. From struggle, it can shoot off to stay. And if you do stay, then you stay in that cyclical pattern of shock, sorrow, struggle, stay. Right. And the repetition over and over. And, And that stays there. And... That might be for a little bit. And I think that will be okay right? for a little bit. Yeah, and we were just discussing in staff meeting, and we have somebody come in once a month and lead our staff in some emotional health exercises. And, and what we were saying was, like, the difficult thing is there's not a date on the calendar that everybody agrees with that goes, okay, we're beyond this stage now. Right. And it just... It, it does take time. But underneath that struggle, the key to, you know, moving on to the next stage is what we called surrender. And we talked a lot about that in staff today. Yeah. And it was really helpful, Haley, some of the stuff that you processed. And, and I think, talk about the difference as to why you prefer the word struggle apart from the word acceptance. I thought that was really helpful today. I mean, I think acceptance for me, or at least it triggers me into saying like that I'm okay mm. with it. Like I've accepted that this has, has happened. Yeah. Um, and surrender for whatever reason does not feel that way yeah. to me. It is, this has happened and I can truly do like nothing yeah. about it, but I have to be okay at where, where it was that it stopped whatever yeah. that point is, and yeah. that I did what I could do up until that point. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. I thought when I heard the word surrender, I described it as 
like Jesus is sitting on a throne and all of his glory, he's king of the cosmos, and I walk up to him and I am weeping, I'm covered in sackcloth and ashes, I am clearly not okay. Yeah, like, not I am not put together. I am not okay. But I just drop something at his feet. Like, I'm not okay that I dropped it. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not okay, but there's still an action. Yeah. He's present. I'm not okay. I give him something. Like, that's the image that I see. And I don't know. I think that's really good language, you know, from surrender. I think what's really important, the next step, I think, in grief in our discipleship journey is sanctification, which is a Bible word. It's a $2 word. It's a big word. And what it means is being made like Jesus, Yeah. right? That's what our goal in life is as disciples, is every day becoming more and more like Jesus. Um, the Apostle Paul says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion unto the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just remembered um, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, mm. um, great lady and quick on her feet. I mean, there was one story where she worked as a counselor at one of the crusades. You guys will love this. It's in his autobiography. And um, so Billy gives the invitation and th- you know thousands of people come forward. And she's working as a counselor and she's talking to this lady who came forward, but she's looking up at Billy, like, quite a bit. And Ruth kind of begins to notice, like, she's not really listening to anything that I'm saying. And so Ruth is trying to counsel, what would you like me to pray with you about, this, that, and the other. And then the lady says, I wonder what it's like to wake up to him every day. So it was very Ooh. clear. We have a, a fan, yeah. like this is weird, and Ruth Graham doesn't miss a beat. And she says, well, honey, I can tell you it's not that special. <laughs> Just, and the lady was like, you know, what? You know, pump brakes and all this stuff. So, But Ruth Graham was very famous of saying, I'm under construction. Yeah. I'm under construction. But on Ruth Graham's headstone, Right next to Billy, she passed away years before Billy did. On her headstone, it says, construction completed. Oh, how beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that is the Apostle Paul's verse. Yeah. Um, Unto the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So there's two options. Jesus splits the sky and comes back. Our work is done. Mm-hmm. Or you go and meet Jesus. Yeah. And so I think it's important to know that our grief, that, guys, is what Paul means in Romans 8, that he works all things together for our good. I really think we think that good is a synonym for comfortable or easy or arrival or what Paul is meaning is God will use this, but God is using this to make us like Jesus and on that, Leonard Ravenhill was very famous for saying, never forget, you worship a man who was murdered yeah. and crucified. So if our king, our leader, was treated that way and experienced that, yeah. who are we to think anything else? Right. You know. So that's sanctification, being made like Jesus. And then under the sanctification is service. 
And and I think what the service is is, um, you know, uh, I'll use the story here without using any names, but the Sunday, um, the first Sunday that we met in light of the accident and the tragedy, um, I had a lady come up to me. We had this beautiful time of prayer at church, and I mean the altars were full, and it was incredible. And she had lost a child not too long ago. And um, she said, you know, I've been praying like, God, how, how am I supposed to use my story? Like, it is so painful. I don't even know if I'm ready to do that. And she said, like, I think I know now. Like, mm-hmm. I think I'm able to just sit with people grab their hand and cry. And it's going to mean so much because of the journey and the path that she has walked in that sense. And so we said that your story is evidence of God's glory. And so when we look at that kind of from grief to glory, that discipleship, um, you know, stages of grief, where, where would you guys say, I mean, either where you're at or what you're seeing where our congregation is, um, this, that, or the other, or what word sticks out to you, any of those things? I think for me it's been a lot of uh, struggle. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was even in shock as much as I should have been in shock. Yeah. Um, And I think I skipped sorrow. I just wanted to, Mm. I wanted to skip sorrow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, you know. Uh, Sunday was very hard yeah. to the point that I did not want to even, like I was very happy that it was a work day on JT's funeral because I did not want yeah. to feel more sorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I feel like I have witnessed an entire congregation just this ebb and flow of all of it and you don't even realize how many people are affected or the ways that he, you know, touched people. And so their perception of him or their interaction with him is just, is just different. Um, I loved the, the prayer night hearing all about JT. Um, for our listeners on the following Monday, um, so there was Sunday and then there was Monday and Monday was open to the community, to the youth former church members who went to church where uh, JT went to church and it was all about just sharing stories and passing the microphone. And for over an hour, there were just stories after stories after stories. And we had some friends from St. Louis who showed up, just my best friend. And it was, I was a wreck when I saw him. He just surprised me and came down and they stayed for the event. And he said, I am amazed that this young man was only 21. We all were. Like, yeah. I am this age, and if if this were to happen to me, I am not sure that this yeah. many people for over an hour could say something like that. And then he said number two was, I came to this and didn't know this young man from Adam, and I feel like I genuinely know him. After this event, and it was, it was, Haley, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful, no doubt. I think that was the first time I wasn't angry. Mm. I think up until that moment, I was very angry. Yeah. I don't even know if I was angry at God. I don't know. I was just 
mad. Yeah. Like, just mad. People should not have talked to me or asked anything. Like, I was just yeah. mad. Yeah. And that was the first time, I mean, I'm not going to say peace. I'm not going to say there was a little comfort knowing that that room, like, those people seemed safe. They yeah. were, yeah. like, you were just exactly what that lady said. Like, I can now just be with those people and cry. It was yeah. nice to know, like, these people are safe to say... I'm not okay. I don't have yeah. to put that smile on. We're all navigating this. It's good. That's yeah. really good. I like what you said that night. Nikki, you said, we're here, guys, because of two people, and Jesus and JT. And that was like a commonality. Yeah. I'm, there were so many. And, and hearing it, like the last time we were in this podcast room, JT was sitting there, and we did this together. And we were teasing and joking because, Jason, you were gone. And we were like, the boss is away. The kids are playing kind of <laughs> thing because he was. He was 21. But seeing his impact on the community has been such a beautiful thing yep. that it wasn't just like when Haley and I first started talking, like we need to get the kids together to pray. It started out as kind of like a West Side Kid thing. We were worried about our kids. And then we thought of all the other kids and young people. When he's 21... I say the kid, use the word kid if they're under 25, mm -hmm. um, which you guys heard on the last podcast with JT, how much he loved that. Yeah. Um, but hearing the parents talk about how he impacted yeah. their children yeah. and that it wasn't just a youth group thing or a friend thing. It was a community thing. Yeah. And seeing that community rally, and it is Jesus brought us all JT. Yep. And JT brought us all together. Yeah. And so that duality in that was just. It's good. It's really good. What about where you're at, Nikki? What word sticks out when you look at these words? I am somewhere between struggle and surrender. Yeah. I know in my head and know in my heart where things are. And I know like I should my head knows the things. My heart does not feel what my head knows. Sure. And so they're not exactly lining up. And yep. we are, you know, it's a process. Grief is not a timeline that you can say, oh, by this date, I will be great. Yep. Some days are better. Some days are harder. Yeah. Moment to moment. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. I think, you know, if I'm honest, I find myself sometimes in that first cyclical circle of yeah. shock, sorrow, struggle, stay. But man, I'm I am very much so still in shock, I think, of just accepting not accepting that reality, but just saying the sentence sometimes and then sorrow. Then after that just comes an immense amount of sadness. Yeah. And so that's where I find myself now. And it's I don't I mean, helpful I guess maybe is the word, but I know there's a future of other stages and other words. And so, um, yeah, that's okay. We, we also said that there were some daily practices maybe to help. And the reason why this is so important is we said this is why theology matters. This is why a close-handed issue in the faith is, is that Jesus was fully God but yet fully man. Yeah. And he was fully man because God became flesh, John 1.14. And so if God became flesh, that means God had a human brain at one point and a heart and an emotions and all of these things. And so 
the three things we looked at maybe for daily practices to help us in this are notice your body, name your emotions, and notify your people. And so just kind of walking through those, well, notice your body. Uh, you know, one of the things we said the handout was take a deep breath and let it out slowly. Do this three times. And a question to ask yourself is, do you notice tension anywhere? Or, or, or how's your body um, responding to the trauma or to the grief? Um, and, I mean, what does that look like for you guys if you feel comfortable sharing? I mean, do you notice anything? Well, you know, today in staff meeting I said, I am very disoriented. Um, my short-term memory is very bad. Um, you know, where's my phone? Where's my wallet? Where's, you know, I notice those types of things right, right now, you know. It, it does. Your emotions will physically manifest. And um, in the passing of JT, I'm carrying, like last week, my neck locked up. And it was due to tension from yeah. all the things. In the past, I was thrown into severe anxiety attacks that I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. So I think noticing and paying attention to your body's emotions and the physical is absolutely necessary because it can wreak havoc on your health. Yeah. We said that there were three areas just to, this comes from Steve Cuss, managing leadership anxiety, spinning mind, racing heart, tightening gut. I, those are helpful. Yeah. I, you know, I like those a lot. Um, where would you guys fall under in those? For me, I think, I, I all, all of a sudden notice my heart racing, mm -hmm. I think. But the gut, man, I feel like this one has been the like my breath. I can't, yeah. like my, I was punched and I can't catch my breath, you know. Where, where would you guys in those areas fall? I mean, if I'm just being completely honest, which I apologize, listeners, because I'm just. <laughs> I love it. We walked into this room. Yeah. Yeah. And it was hard. Yeah. yeah. The last time I was in this room, he was right there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I didn't think I was going to feel all that. Yeah. And then Jason prepped us like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna talk about the accident. And up until that point, like it was very avoidant, you know, like, oh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. And you push the button. I was very thankful that we had this handout right here because I was like, breathe. Yeah. yeah. You need to breathe. That's good. And my heart is racing. And I want to vomit right now. Yeah. We should not be having this conversation. Yeah. And, um, yeah, my body is feeling it. And not just because we just ate Taco Bell either. <laughs> but, um, like, yeah. yeah for sure. Like, yeah. just um, my heart is racing. My palms are sweaty. Yeah. I could vomit at any moment. Yeah. But I think that's a... Not maybe a healthy response, but I think that is a normal response yep. to what is happening right yeah. now. Appreciate your honesty, Haley. I think it's super important. And that's what I mean that our theology is important. That's why we study these things is, you know, the Greeks had a concept that the body was evil. And then another group of people said that pleasure was God. And then Christianity comes along and is like, no, you're both wrong. It's both <laughs> and. It's... Yeah. You know, we believe that God's going to resurrect our body. Yeah. That Jesus, when he rose, this is another close-handed thing. Yeah. That he, it was not, ooh, spiritual. Jesus had a spiritual resurrection. Yeah. He ate fish and chips and yeah. showed Thomas the scars. Yeah. Why is that important? Because God's going to redeem our body. Yeah. Like, 
Man, these things are so important, guys. Notice your body. The second thing is this, name your emotions. And I think out of all of the practices, this is very important for me because if I don't name it, it's not real. Yeah. Mm. Or, or at least I, I tell myself that. The people that are around me <laughs> are like, it's very real right. and it's very apparent. But for me, um, it's almost like if you confess with your mouth, yeah. you know, type it, of a thing, yeah. you know, like if I name the emotion, the naming is almost a confession, um, you know, for me. And one of the practices was write down how you're feeling in the morning, afternoon, at night, and then maybe review those. Mm -hmm. But the big reason why is so you can pray those emotions to God. This is called the book of Psalms. And so again, if we believe that God wrote a book and the Bible is the perfect word of God, pause and think for a second. David has like Psalm 42. My tears have been my food day and night. Why are you downcast, O my soul? If God inspired through the Holy Spirit David to write those words down, then God is saying we need these words. And I've always illustrated prayer is like when our kids are learning to talk. There's that stage where they don't want to talk. They point and grunt Mm -hmm. and expect you to give them everything. And if it's grandma, she does. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, I always remember Courtney saying, no, ma'am, use your words. Yeah. Use your words. And in this moment, I, I feel like God going, use your words, yeah. you know, and, and to name them. Have you guys done this? Is there a helpful practice? How do you name your emotions? How do you arrive at that point? What does it look like? Um, I do. I, I don't necessarily write them down, but sure. I do like little assessments. Um, I'm not naturally a bitter, angry person. Yeah. I'm, I'm bossy. Sure. <laughs> I'm very. Sure. But um, me feeling like, I don't know, almost like someone says something dumb, I'm going to immediately call them out on it yeah. if it's because I'm protecting somebody else. That's good. So for me, I've got to be aware of like, where is this bitterness? Mm. and. And because the bitterness leads into anger and annoyance and other things. Yeah. And I don't want to bleed that because it feels very wrong to me. Yeah, that's good. So you said today in staff, a hair trigger. Very quick. That's good. I am very like just. But like you were self-aware, like to say like, that's big, man. That's really big. You know, it's sure. been a long time coming. Yeah. But I have learned in those moments when I'm, you know, angry and with people and with, I mean, this situation with JT dying, it is so very wrong. It feels wrong, but God can handle my emotions 100%. in this. Yep. So I'm leaning into things that I don't want to yep. because I know the truth is there. It may not feel it in this moment. I keep going back to Proverbs 3 yeah. like over and over. So for me, naming my emotions reminds me of where they come from and Good. how they're not yeah. permanent. The first Sunday, I mean, we took it even a step further and I said, I'm going to say something that you may have never heard from the pulpit before, but it's okay to be angry with God. Yeah. yeah. Because the opposite of love is not hate. No. You... <laughs> You only hate or feel that because there's passion behind mm-hmm. it. The opposite of love is apathy. Yeah. That's a dangerous place when you don't care, when you're removed. And so God can handle it. Yeah. Like God wants, like read the Psalms, read the lives of Jacob and these people for sure. 
Haley, how about you? What does it look like for you when it comes to naming your emotions? I don't think I always know what emotion I'm feeling. I agree. So naming them is like very hard because I think sometimes I'm an over analytical person. I'm like, well, we have mad, sad, happy. <laughs> this is the list. Sure. You know, yeah. Like, and it doesn't line up with this. And so um, I am definitely a verbal processor. Yeah. I have like a couple safe spaces. Uh, my husband is a safe space, though he does not like verbal processing. <laughs> so that is a whole. It's a man act thing. We of, just want to arrive somewhere. That's yeah, all it is. That's you know, yeah. Act of love for him to let me ramble. But I think like even in staff today, like it starts off with avoidance, and then I can talk about it some more, and yeah. just like okay, well maybe it feels like that, but it also feels like this, and it feels like this, and I don't think. Like a, a lot of times we want to point to it and be like, I feel this one word. Yeah. Right. Sure. And we are complex people mm-hmm. yep. in the image of a complex God. Yeah. Yep. And the, it is okay for you to feel more than one thing. It's okay for it to not tie up into a pretty bow. Yep. It's okay for you to feel conflicting yep. emotions. Yeah. Yes. And I think like that is not something that I always, um, I always handle well. Yeah. Like I am a paradox right now. Sure. Like I don't, I don't know how to, and the fact that you can, you know, I'm telling you my heart is racing. I'm about to puke and then talk about Taco Bell and we all laugh for a minute. You sure. know, it's like, yeah. there is a, We're humans. there's yeah. just like this yep. complexity to it. And I think you, for me, you have to talk that out. You have to have those safe yeah. spaces to, I don't even know what I'm feeling, but can you just be with me till we figure it out? Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. I, Ran across um, Shakespeare and Hamlet says, give your grief words because grief bound up in the heart bids it to break, you know, and yeah, I think that's good, which leads the last thing is to notify your people, Um, reach out to those closest to you, love what you said, a safe place, but the key is to be honest, to be honest, and I've said it over and over Whatever is hidden will never be healed. Yep. Right. And so, what does it look like, Haley? You kind of talked about it, Nikki. What does it look like to notify your people? Is it is it just a blunt text of like, "Hey, heads up, not good," or is it call me? What does it look like? Yes. Yep. That's the answer to that. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, Love it. I have different people that I process different things with. Good. Um, and it's it's odd. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick is forever my, he hears all of it and bless him. Um, good, bad, ugly, and everything in between. Yeah. So he helps me process. Um, there was a comment that was made to me last week that kind of just hit me funky and I was going to let it slide. And he's like, hang on to that for a minute, put it away, breathe through it. We're not going to address it now because you are emotionally not sure. there. But that will come later. It's good. But I do have um, the ladies in my community group who we have had very good conversation about, hey, um, I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z here. And they're like, you know, that's you, right? You know, that's not anybody but you. And I'm like, yeah, I know that in my head. But sure, my I just needed you to that. tell me out loud. I love you and thank you. And then yeah. I have others, um, like part of my kids' side team that, we all can, like, we check in on each other, and it's, how are you feeling? Yeah. What can, you know, and so it, it's different personalities that Good. are different, but I can still be completely honest, and they're, I love that you said safe spaces. Yeah. 
because in moments of grief like this, in moments of hurt, we are more vulnerable because we are so broken. Yeah. It is never okay to use someone's vulnerabilities against mm-hmm. them later on. You know, this is actually what Jesus meant when he said, don't put your pearls before swine. Yeah. He, okay, pause. He's not calling certain people pigs. It's a parable and a picture illustration. A pig will eat anything. Anything. Yeah. And it will not stop and go, that is a pearl of great value. Right. It, it, rec- it does not recognize value. And so... that's exactly what you're saying is you need to know who to go to and to be safe and to open up. I've, you know, imagine this, I've been trying to practice what I'm preaching and a lot of people have been asking like, Hey, how are you? Where's that, that, that clapping applause track? Yay! (laughs) Awesome. Um, You know, I, and I've had a lot of people asking, how are you? And I've just said, I'm devastated. I'm, I'm devastated. And I have to be okay with how people respond to that. Some people look me in the eye, sigh real heavy, and just hug me and almost cry and just, you know. And then some people, that makes very uncomfortable. Yeah. And and it's like, oh, gosh, you know, I need to do something to, you know. And so, yeah, I think a safe space yeah. is, is really important in that sense. Um, you know, we moved on and we said that Paul mentions the word hope. And so we said Christians grieve too. But then Christians grieve differently. And the key is the word hope in there. And we defined hope as hope is the positive expectation that what God has said will happen. Yeah. Right? So then we ask the question, well, what has God said? And there's a number of things that, that Jesus has beat death. Death doesn't have the final word, right? That's, that's great. Um, that Jesus will return, that he's coming back. Like, man, that's all. If, if there's been one thing that's sort of risen to the surface, I think it's these last two, that Jesus is coming back and that those who are with Jesus are coming back with him. And so we'll get to see JT. We'll yeah. experience that. And that's what the Apostle Paul is writing to these Christians. And he's saying, you can have hope in that. But the key thing, and this is crazy to give you a backstory, Haley's mom, Christy, read the passage Sunday. She did a great job, very reverent, but beautiful. And then she read the verse where it says, and we will always be with them. And then she said, I'm going to pause and I'm going to read that again, for we will always be with them. And I was like, hello. <laughs> yeah. Because at the end of my sermon, I said, I think this is really what hope is. If we want to understand how radical this thing is, how beautiful our God is, hope is holding on to the fact that God is holding on to us. Yeah. Like, we will always be with him in death, in life, to live as Christ, to die as get. Like, it's always about God's grip on us. And to me, that's good news, that in moments like this, when your faith wavers, as the psalmist says, when the mountains give way and you're thrown into the heart of the sea, you know you have a hope that God's holding on to me. And guys, this is the difference in the gospel and religion, right? Religion is what I do, so then I can hold that up and say, on this basis, God loves me. Yeah, That's always filled with fear and anxiety because you're never going to do enough. 
and you're never going to be good enough and you're going to fail by your own standards. But grace really is not about what you do, but what God's done for you. And, and I just think that's huge when it goes into hope like that. Um, we kind of mentioned this and we can do this in closing, but what's been one, you know, Nikki, you talked about unity. I would have to agree with that. What's one thing that's risen to the surface that God has allowed you to see as um, just that he's at work in this and just a glimmer of something beautiful? I think Mm. the amount of people coming together and unifying and crossing denominational barriers and all of that, we've all been humans in this. We've all been humans and devastated. And for some reason... It didn't matter if you posted this about Black Lives Matter, this no. about that. It's just like, that is so irrelevant at this moment. That's been really beautiful for me. What about you guys? What's been a glimmer of, of beauty in this? Um, so other than the love pouring out from all the other churches, uh, at his service, you did. There's actually two moments that are really kind of sticking out for me from Wednesday. Um a boy I know his family went to the altar. Yeah, that was huge. And I saw his dad follow him. I mean, ran. I mean, literally. Yes. And then his mom came. Yes. And I'm like sobbing because I thought JT in that moment would have been like, worth it. Um, And then I got to see a lady who is grieving and is heartbroken, reach out to one of her very best friends and say, hey, I just sat through this horrible thing. And I'm terrified for you right now because you don't know Jesus. Wow. And I don't want that to be your life. Yeah. And she said, I don't know if I should have sent that. And I'm like, you have, and, and just sure. her taking that moment, like those two things were such impactful moments for me yeah. in the day, yeah. the day that was awful. Yeah. But That's a good phrase, impactful moments. Yeah. I like that rather than beauty, impactful moments. They really moments. were. They were yeah. such moments to That's see good. those. How about you, Haley? Any impactful moments? I think definitely I've seen people be more bold with love. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think it's sometimes easier to be bold with hate, but yeah. to be bold with love has been... Um, it's beautiful. It's been, it's been crazy to see. Um, and just the relationships that I have that you don't know, um, you don't know what relationships can handle what until you're in like these moments, if that makes any, and not like the phrase of, you know who your friends are for the people who left you hanging, but like as an acknowledgement of the people who really are just willing to sit there with you and cry and not, and like just be in that complete uncomfortable, um, it's beautiful in the in the weirdest, awfulest way. Yeah, and that's just, good. Um, being able to like just text one of my friends and say, "Hey, like I appreciate that our relationship can withstand this." Yep. Yeah. Like that, we can be awful right now. Yeah. And um, and just taking the time to say the "I love yous," to hug a little longer, to because life is very fragile. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. I wanted to offer just two resources that if you're experiencing this, you feel like you're kind of left out there. Number one, we always want to say that if, that if you need to talk to somebody, you need to talk to um, anybody, please reach out to us. Send yeah. us an email at info at org. The worst thing to do is to be alone. Yeah. 
And we just want you to know that we have each other in this. The second thing is, is there's two books. Uh, the first one is on grief and grieving by Elizabeth Colbert Ross. And it's probably one of the most famous books on grief where she walks through the five stages. Um, it has over like 2,000 reviews on Amazon. It's pretty much the par standard for that. It's really great on grief because one of the things that an event like this does is that it sparks complex grief. And so there's unresolved grief that we've had from the past and that rises to the surface as well. So that's helpful. The second one from a more theological standpoint is Tim Keller's Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And there's been some good language in that when I've gone back and sort of reread it and, and looked at it. Um, some good language to just help, again, with naming some things and stuff like that. But I think in this season, if you need anything, please reach out to us. We want to be there for our congregation. And again, if you're a listener and someone who goes to Westside, the odds are you've stepped up in some way, shape, or form during this season. And we just want you to know we love you. We're so grateful. We do believe that this is going to unify us um, as a congregation. And I think things that were important aren't that important um, anymore. And I think what's important is what you talked about, Haley, that showing of the love to one another and um, expressing that. So we love you guys. Haley and Nikki, thank you guys for being honest and kind of sharing and walking through this with us. We appreciate you guys. And um, we love you. If you have any questions, you can send us an email at info at westsidepb.org. We love you. Blessings.